You're listening to the GamesG.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and this week I am joined by... Brendan Sinclair. And Jeffrey Russo. We are back. Uh, been a busy few weeks, a lot of news, a lot of big news, uh, a lot of other projects on the in the works and behind the scenes, so apologies we haven't done a regular episode for a while, but we have been keeping you entertained with the, and, and informed, entertained and informed with the Playable Futures podcast. This is a kind of spin-off series within the same feed. It's a collaboration between ourselves, uh, represented by Will Freeman, who's a regular contributor for us. Um, Will's done a lot of work with us over the years. He's, he's brilliant. And Yuki, which is the UK trade body, and Diva, which is a creative and PR agency. This is a series of interviews with business leaders from across the industry about the future of certain aspects of the industry. So, the most recent one was with Resolution Games' Tommy Palm, talking about the future of virtual reality. Uh, the one before that was with uh, Sam Barrett from the United Nations, talking about the future of the industry and the environment, so how the industry can be greener, like kind of the, the campaigns and awareness activity that companies are raising to kind of get players engaged in combating the climate crisis. These episodes are going to be every two weeks, so... Keep an eye on your podcast feed every kind of every other Friday and then every other Friday in between, hopefully, <laughs> standard episode with uh, with the Games Industry's team. Speaking of which, let's discuss some of the biggest stories from the past week. Uh, we are recording on Monday, the 21st of November, which means that people are still talking about Pokemon, which came out last Friday. Combination of things people are talking about. People are talking about, A, how well it's sold. Uh, we've got some data from the UK launch, the UK retail you know, boxed copy launch, which we published to the site this morning. Uh, I'm going to fire off a few facts for you. So this is the second biggest Pokemon launch uh, in terms of boxed games. Second only to uh, Sun and Moon, which were on the 3DS. But they were boosted by, I believe that was 2016, they were boosted by the fact that Pokemon Go had come out the summer before. So about you know four or five months before Pokemon Go had launched, and it really ramped up interest in Pokemon. Um, this is by far the biggest bo- uh, box launch for Pokemon in the UK by revenue, uh, because, the, because the Switch game cost a lot more than the, the 3DS game. Uh, it's the biggest week for Switch consoles, uh, Switch console sales so far this year, so more people bought an actual Switch console this week because they wanted Pokemon, and it's the biggest box year, box release of the year across all formats uh, ahead of... No, that can't be right. Biggest box release of the year on Switch, I believe, ahead of FIFA 23, because FIFA, FIFA apparently still comes up on Switch. Um, now, obviously, these are UK stats. This is because the UK uh, data gatherers do release weekly weekly figures on sales which we have access to we we've good relationships with the chart providers so we can look into this we're gonna have to wait for you know the mpd group and uh you know famitsu and gsd to compile the full month sales like you know early december is probably when we get a better idea of how well pokemon are sold worldwide but by and large, the UK is a quite a receptive market to Pokemon, I believe. So I think it's a fairly decent gauge as to how well the game is done. Um, so I, before we dive into the inevitable com- you know, complaints about quality and so forth, any surprises here about how well Pokemon Scarlet and Violet have sold so far? No, it's, it's Pokemon. It sells. <laughs> it and it, it's like it's mainline Pokemon, right? So yeah. it's it's going to be big. I, I mean... It sounds like it makes sense to me, but I, I'm not as, you know, uh, closely following the charts as Chris, and I'm not as closely following the Pokemon games as 
the rest of the staff, apparently. <laughs> no, no one is as closely following the charts as Chris. I swear, like Chris, Chris just lives in the charts. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 not a surprise that it's selling so well. It is surprising, a little bit surprising that it sold so well. Like, given the there have been three Pokemon releases, three 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 big Pokemon launches within the last twelve months. So obviously, we've just had Scarlet and Violet. In January, we had Pokemon Legends Arceus, and then the November before, we had Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, the remakes of the DS games for Switch. Now, granted, like you say, like this is a mainline title. This is going to be a much larger launch than those two. But still, like you know, I'm trying to think of what franchise could launch three significant releases because as much as as much as Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl were remakes. There is a lot of nostalgia for the DS, and there was a lot of nostalgia for kind of remakes. So those those did sell well. Pokemon Arceus sold so much better than anyone expected, and is this really interesting spin-off? You know, the it, it first ventured into the kind of the open world thing. We'll probably get into that in a bit later. So I, yeah, like I said, I'm trying, I'm struggling to think of another franchise that could launch three significant releases, significant in their own rights, within the space of twelve months, and all of them sell. <laughs> relatively well yeah I mean you had Call of Duty Mobile and Call of Duty Warzone and Modern Warfare I think was the one that year all within 12 months but they're you know different business models different platforms it's it's interesting to 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 have it all on switch like that and and I'm wondering if if part of the reason that they've all done pretty well um, is that the first two were not really satisfying to people like like they they want you know the the new um mainline game they want the or the complete breath of the wild reinvention of the franchise but the the ds remakes obviously didn't scratch the itch for a new mainline game the the more open worldy um pokemon one from from early this year was it seemed well received, but it also seemed like, oh, they're not quite there with uh, Arceus, and and then Scarlet and Violet. I mean, they've just come out, um, so the reception isn't really or relevant. But they, you know, they're the new mainline game. They're the, the ones that that is sort of the you know the appointment gaming for 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 people who are Pokemon fans, and the reaction to it is. Uh, like I, I think you can you can kind of leave people wanting more, um, a little bit, and and get away with it. But if you do it consistently, I think it starts to become an issue. And like I don't I don't think Game Freak could, you know, do the next twelve months uh, or repeat this cycle the same way in no. a year and have everything go as well for them. So it's it's. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it is time for for a change. But it's already been time for a change, right? That's why Arceus was what what it was. It was the, the kind of we are finally trying to, to mix up the formula of the series and do something different with it. So it's um you know, it makes sense that it would be a learning process for yeah. for Game Freak. And um and this might be jumping ahead in the conversation, but like I, I have no concerns about the you know long term health of of the franchise at at this point. I, I I think it's kind of obvious what the 
flaws and difficulties are and i think they also have done well enough um with with rcs and and their kind of jump into switch development from 3ds development that iteration should take them where they need to go as long as they you know mm. give it the the budget and the development time to do it to answer the most obvious question of whether or not um, scarlet and violet is going to sell well, obviously it's going to i mean right now i think it's just a waiting game until we get a press release saying that it's sold however however millions or across that million mark at this point right um while you know looking through the reviews and writing the um critical consensus it it, it is pretty obvious it's just a game that you know it's still fun it still gives people what they're looking for um but you know i'm sure by now whoever <laughs> listening to this podcast you've probably seen a number of those viral videos showing the game's relative um, performance issues i'm probably jumping ahead into the conversation regarding that but um but also stepping back you know the brand of Pokemon itself, it's, it's not just the games, right? It's like, I'm also thinking in this year, in a cartoon, this may not seem like it has anything to deal with the game, but I, I kind of think it does as far as the brand is concerned. It's like the cartoon just had in, in Japanese version that's ahead of a couple of seasons or what have you, like Ash Ketchum is finally like crowned the world champion. And that's made like headlines. And the way that ties back down to this is like the brand still going it's a well-oiled machine like chris's um article points out that they know what they're doing as far as the games go as far as the, the mainline games go it's uh, it's pretty obvious that three years is probably um you know just not enough time for it to be in the oven and i think it's a brand that um given like its current offerings and now that they've gone into releasing dlc um, and providing updates, I don't think that they necessarily have to adhere to that anymore, especially on the Switch. Um, and speaking to the larger point about um, how Scarlet and Violet uh, was received, I, I think about the uh, uh, one of the reviews pointed out, it, it used the example of its contemporaries, such as games such as um, like Xenoblade, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, for example. You know, when you look at that game and you look at Scarlet Violet, you're wondering how are these both on the same console kind of thing, and, and that that conversation gets kind of muddled because you you know we're not all developers, we don't know what goes into where and what have you. That game's gonna sell just fine, but when you have multiple viral videos that are now memeified about bugs yeah. in the game, that's when you have a problem. That's when you know what's going on. I love those videos. Like <laughs> it's I I have I have bought games in the past based on those videos because it's like <laughs> yes i want an experience where the stuff just goes off the rails regularly and i'm almost always disappointed because the actual game itself is usually in a you know it, it's like it's fine but then the only bugs that i that i see are like the um the not funny ones the, yeah. oh my game just crashed on me or wow the the frame rate is just dragged to nothing right here and it's unplayable and I don't know. I made that mistake once or twice a while ago. I think it's Assassin's Creed Unity, maybe. Which I actually enjoyed as an Assassin's Creed game, but not being able to see that, you know, my skin is invisible, but my eyes and teeth are still floating in the space <laughs> where my head should be. Um, that, that was a bit of a letdown. If you want a funny, bug-ridden game, 
I would recommend Goat Simulator, the original. Um, actually, no, I wouldn't recommend it because I hate it. But if that's what you're after, <laughs> that is what you're going to get. Um, no, and you bring up Unity. Like this is exactly what I wanted to kind of say. It was like I, I always, I always think this. Whenever you see like viral videos going round of how bad a game is, how glitchy a game is, like I, I want to caution people. Like this is not. This is the. This is not necessarily representative of the majority of players' experience. With Assassin's Creed Unity, that skinless face with the floating eyes and the floating teeth became, you know, no pun intended, the the face of the game. Like that was the image you thought of when you thought Assassin's Creed Unity, because it was so it, it, it was it spread so far and wide. I played that game a lot, like, and that I never encountered any glitch like that I think the most I'd have come up with was uh, most I'd have dealt with was pop up in the crowd but to be fair they were doing very when you go back to Assassin's Creed Unity on modern systems now like with the the extra you know, horsepower you can clearly see they were trying to build a much more um, complex game like you know much the, the crowd density alone needed more powerful hardware than, than what it had at the time but so yeah like the the faceless, uh, you know, the, the skinless face of Assassin's Creed Unity isn't necessarily representative of the game. Equally, the Pokemon boy gets onto Pokemon motorcycle and becomes a giant. Or there's there, the one I've seen is what I think it's like a cutscene of like a Pokemon trainer throwing a Pokeball, and then as the camera cuts back to him, he clips and falls through the floor, through the grass, into the bottomless void in which all video game worlds exist. Like, that isn't necessarily representative of everyone. Having said that, I have reason to believe that Pokemon Violet and, and Scarlet are perhaps more widespread issues than Assassin's Creed Unity, for example. So, very, very scientific process here. Try to keep up. I started a poll on Twitter while Twitter still exists. Um, I asked people, how many people have actually experienced performance issues, visual glitches, etc., while playing Pokemon Scarlet and Violent? And I offered the options, yes, significant issues, yes, but only minor, no issues encountered. Out of 31 people who have voted so far today, so not an extensive sample, I will grant you, only two people, 6.5%, have said they had no issues. But then it's genuinely almost half and half between who have had minor issues, like a drop in frame rate or slight clipping or whatever, and people have had significant issues. So it sounds like the vast majority of people who play have some sort of issue, but not necessarily the ones that we're seeing on Twitter. Yeah, and there are performance issues, you know, like with the pop-in in the distance and, mm. and things like that, which are like, they're not spectacular kind of things. They're not going to they're they're not going to you know set the internet on fire or anything but they're 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 legitimate issues that you would like to see um you know or you would like to not see in in the game that you just bought um so it from what from what i've i've seen it it you know it sounds like this this has legitimate issues legitimate performance issues that are you know affecting the enjoyment of the game for a significant amount of people like there there's always going to be a certain percentage of of the population that's like you, you know i can't believe this is only hitting 59 frames per second i need 60 or or else we riot things like that the people that are just really sensitive to these issues i i tend not to be one of those people um so there's 
there's going to be some some displeasure but with with pokemon um scarlet and violet i my sense just seeing how widespread and and how often it's been mentioned in the reviews um which jeffrey's probably read more about more of and can speak to better than i can it 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 seems like this is you know it's not great one one review i mentioned is um tom regan from um the guardian and the the quote i used in there and, and it's worth reading in its totality but he he um explains that playing the game feels something like a um, open world Pokemon beta essentially is what he said and the reason why he said it is that he acknowledges that and you know we can all acknowledge this, that Game Freak is a publisher that has the, the resources to do w- whatever it is that they want to do and they've, they've shown that before and they continue to do so but you know, again, when comparing a, a game like that to its contemporaries, you know, one has to wonder, you know, what happened. And the more obvious answer, of course, would be, you know, how much time it was in development, you know, and the three years isn't 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 doing well for itself. And another review pointed out how um, they'd be playing the game and just going to certain regions where, you know, slow the game down and things like that. And, and, and of course, um, these are all different things and different people might experience. You also see that online will say that well i haven't had a lot of issues and, and what have you but it's more of a case like you're going to play it you're having fun you're, you're going to see some things that hmm, okay this is a little weird and you know you're just going to go and again the viral videos probably aren't a good indicator of that and to be fair they probably aren't um but yeah it but but still those issues are still you know spoke because multiple reviews did mention that it was odd as they're playing that, you know, textures seemed uh, not as defined, there they'd be slow down, and, you know, things of that nature. But but still, ultimately, it's a fun game. Now, the question that I have regarding all that, because these issues are known, these bugs are known, it is how long will it take to, quote-unquote, fix that or address that? Will that be something... Mm. It's just going to be a big patch. But as we all know, that takes time as well. Will that be something taken care of during the DLC? Who knows? You know, that that's just another question going on. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, ultimately, if you like Pokemon and you're looking forward to the experience, you'll, you'll show, you should have fun with this, those issues aside. Um, but it's interesting to see how Game Freak will address that. Yeah. It's inter- interesting. Like, I, I, you're right. I imagine there'll be patches, and it's interesting. Like, they, they, the, the quote you say from the the review about like it being like a Pokemon open world beta. If this were a longer term game, you could understand. Like, you, you'd expect. Yeah, okay, this is going to get better over time. We're in, an, we're at a stage in the industry where games that the way that games launch, they are not like that in two, three, four, even five years time. Prime examples I'm thinking of, like things like No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky lo- launched and it was me- very troubled at launch. It's kind of the poster child for this is what go- <laughs> this is what happens when a very kind of ambitious game does not launch as promised. And over the years, it completely transformed itself. And, and from what I hear of everyone who plays it, like it is, it's a really impressive game now and has been for some time. And I'm, I'm still increasingly tempted to actually give it a go. Um, similarly, like yeah, you know, like, even on the AAA scale, Drive Club. By another PlayStation game, I grant you, but Drive Club, um, 
that had troubles at launch that had um, issues and within a year or two they turned that around cyberpunk <laughs> cyberpunk was unplayable on past gen consoles and very buggy on net, you know current gen consoles I'm playing it this year it, like quality wise in terms of the quality it's really impressive like it's it, I'm very impressed I'm very I'm really enjoying it so but but this isn't but this isn't a game that's going to last for years because you know as as Chris said in the the piece that Jeffrey says it's a three year cycle like Pokemon releases a new generation every three years so they've got until the net yeah they've got three years to convince people to buy this version otherwise people are going to buy the are likely going to buy the next version and even then Pokemon fans are distracted by the fact that there's usually there has been a a Pokemon release of some form every single year for I've honestly lost track I think it's something like 2008 2009 there's been an annual Pokemon release since the, like the late 2000s because it will either be a spin-off like Legends Arceus or a remake like Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl so they have a year I have a year in which to get the majority of people to buy Scarlet and Violet so they don't it being a beta they don't have time for that they don't have time for it to be a beta it needs to be good when it comes out which is why Chris is right like you know uh, Chris's piece like it's time to end the three year cycle he's spot on the the comparisons we're seeing as I think you mentioned Jeffrey like people are comparing it to Xenoblade Chronicles 3 because that came out earlier this year really impressive open world RPG on Switch running really impressively on let's on what let's face it is still quite limited hardware Xenoblade Chronicles 3 has been in development for four years this has been in development for three years, and obviously both both titles were you know, affected by the fact that two of those years, and you know, some of that time was during the pandemic and lockdowns and remote working and all the chaos that that brings about. We are hopefully, <laughs> assuming there's not another delay, within four months we're going to have, or four or five months, we're going to have Legends of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, which is shaping up really nicely and is probably going to be another seminal open world RPG on Switch that's been in development for five years like you can't compare them directly but people will i have to i've been i've been very impressed well i i did a hilarious tweet on friday when jeffrey posted the uh, critical consensus and all the reviews are coming out that you know really ambitious game really impressive but hampered by performance issues i was like right here we go cue the oncoming wave of this is why we need a Switch Pro opinion pieces in three, two, one. We haven't actually seen that. I haven't actually seen many people saying we need a we need more powerful powerful Switch Pro. Uh, we need more powerful Switch hardware because A, Xenomode Chronicles and, and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom are coming out and they're running nicely on it. And B, I don't just people expect like that that this sort of game should be able to run on on Switch anyway. Like so, it's it's been interesting. So you mentioned Cyberpunk uh, a while back and the state that shipped in, and CD Projekt committed to fixing it. But they also, when they did that, they were like, okay, and this is affecting our development timeline. Now it's pushing other stuff further back because we have to devote more resources to this. And my question with uh, Scarlet and Violet is sort of like, do you? Do you work on patching this and and updating it, or do you just move on to what Pokemon Turquoise or whatever, like the combo <laughs> thing that they they normally do would be? And I, I mean, they, they they've been 
the work that you do on one, I imagine, would translate well to the other. But I don't think that it's necessarily going to be like a, you know, oh, we'll just cut and paste this into that and we get all the benefits of the optimization for this and mm. all that. So, like, I, I don't think that I don't think that the these are um, I think there is a trade off in the decision that they make here as to whether to continue supporting this or just move on to the next one, because the, the Pokemon franchise i don't think of it as a games as a service franchise you know like you you mentioned rainbow six and drive club and things that turned around after a while but they they were originally intended to be games as a service titles right Hmm. and if if you have something like um yeah you know you look at the ea sports titles those are games as a service in that they're you know bleeding you for money throughout the year but they move on to the next one you know Mm. the madden ships with a lot of hilarious bugs in it every year um they do a patch or two you know they they update it a little they fix the the most glaringly obvious problems but they still have to get a new a new game out the door 12 months later and they they realize that it is even though it is perfectly possible to just have you know here's our ongoing madden you know live service game it makes them more money to move on to the next one and and leave the old one um, unfinished and ultimately, you know, a little little rough around the edges because they can sell you a new one for, you know, 60 bucks and then make you buy all your ultimate team cards over again. Mm. And I, I don't I don't know if Pokemon is necessarily, you know, going to focus on that games as a service yeah well we got to keep updating this and turn it around kind of thing when you know the business model for pokemon especially with that three-year cycle that chris was talking about this is already kind of like okay on to the next one especially when the next one turquoise is basically going to be you know here's (laughs) i like how it's it's definitively turquoise in my mind (laughs) um this has been announced it's it's canon well, uh, I, especially I, when that one is just going to be like, you know, how, how do you sell that one when it's like, oh, and uh, all the fixes and stuff that we added to make Scarlet and Violet better are already in Scarlet and Violet. I hate to disappoint you, Brendan, but the chances of there being a Pokemon Turquoise, appealing as that title sounds, are minimal. So I'm looking actually at the timeline of um, Pokemon games that have been released. I apologize. I correct my earlier comment. Pokemon has been annual since 2016 when Sun and Moon came out. Um, it was then followed by Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon in 2017, 2018 with the Let's Go titles for um, Switch, 2019 with Sword and Shield, 2020 was the first year without an actual retail release, but it had the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra DLCs for Sword and Shield. I would expect Scarlet and Violet to get DLC like that, or that would have been the plan to give DLC like that next year. Last year was Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, and then this year has been Legends Arceus and Scarlet and Violet. In terms of turquoise, the last time... Because I'm with you, I always expect that third Pokemon game, like the the yellow to red and blue, the crystal to gold and silver. The last time they did that was Pokemon Platinum in 2008. Whatever they were going to do... We are very outdated. We are very outdated. So... Ultra Scarlet and Ultra Violet. Ultra Scarlet, yeah, maybe, yeah. It would be something like that. Um, 
black uh, black and white ne- there was never a Pokemon grey there was black 2 and white 2 two years later there was never a Pokemon Z for X and, X and Y and there was never a remake for that either, a, a re-release for that either so I don't know what happened there I don't know why I mean I'd be honest I'm not a massive fan of the X and Y generation I think it's one of the weaker generations so maybe they just thought right let's just actually that makes sense they probably just thought right we'll scrap it and move on because what followed X and Y aside for the, from the Omega Reboot Alpha, Alpha Sapphire remakes the next gen, mainline generation again on a three year cycle was Sun and Moon where they've really tried to shake up the formula by doing you know getting rid of gyms and giving you like rideable Pokemon and all this sort of, so yeah that explains why there's no Pokemon Z uh, but yes no Pokemon Turquoise I'm so sorry Brendan your your exclusive has just been robbed. Okay. So. Well, the the point that they don't like linger on the same thing for too yeah. long. Yeah, your overall point is absolutely spot on. Like they they will already be. They might patch it. They might issue a patch or two, but they they will not come back and fix this. They will just do better next time. They will just iterate, as we've been saying, and that's Chris's point as well. In the in the you know, PC right like you know the three year cycle means they don't have time to really dig down and perfect any given generation because three years three years is not a long time to develop any game in this modern day and age like it's it's kind of bare minimum for a triple A game and particularly like one with you know with so you think about like the balances they've got to do like you know there are now over a thousand Pokemon and obviously not all one thousand are in Scarlet and Violet but there's still like all the different character models. It kind of goes back to the, I'm doing air quotes here, the controversy around Sword and Shield when people were complaining that there weren't going to be all 800 and whatever Pokemon in Sword and Shield. And the 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 gamer perception that, oh, it just takes five minutes to make a Pokemon, you know, because they've, they've used Pokemon in previous ones, it just takes five minutes to convert them and make them into, a, into the next game. Like, it doesn't. Like, there's a lot going... Pokemon games are so complex. And you look at, like, just this... I'm now veering into a slightly tangential rant but the amount of bloat and features in the yeah the feature creep in these games now like the original generation were you go around you've got 150 151 pokemon to catch eight gyms to beat there's kind of a storyline about team rocket in between and that's your game now you look at scarlet and violet and there's the eight gyms there's some sort of treasure hunt storyline there's something about legendary Pokemon you've got to go find. You've got there's something about Titan Pokemon you've got to go find, which is apparently different to legendary Pokemon. There's the whole Swarovski, we're going to turn every Pokemon into a crystal thing. There's the rival teams, Team Star or whatever it is that they. And then there's just the open world, and then there's the picnic system where you've got to have a picnic with your Pokemon, and then like, and then you have actually got to go to school and do these classes at your your Pokemon Academy. There is so so much content in these games, so many systems, so many mechanics, so many gameplay loops. To try and cram that in within three years, and particularly because the team, the core Game Freak team, is still learning to make Switch titles. Like they, they, the only made, Sword and Shield, this is only the second Switch generation of Pokemon games, mainline Pokemon games, because we had Sword and Shield. This is the first open world mainline, uh, mainline, open world mainline Pokemon game. Sorry, there's a lot of terminology in there. Um, following you know, the experiment with Arceus earlier this year, and the little bit of a world, an open world area in Sword and Shield. Like this is a, this is a team that. Two mainline generations ago, we're still making games for 3DS, handheld. 
like much, much, much more limited hardware, they're not going to be on par with like you know, likes of Xenoblade or Zelda because they're still making that transition away from the kind of the Game Boy DS heritage into AAA console game. They must have ramped up hiring and have trouble onboarding new people with the pandemic in the last few years too. Yeah. There's 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 been reasons for for the games to not be their absolute best. But I don't think I can talk about Pokemon anymore. Like that is I I've had my fill of Pokemon. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna throw can can we example. can we move on? We can absolutely move on. So sorry. Yeah, uh, other big story of the last week was uh, the breakdown of the relationship between Blizzard and NetEase. Now, since two thousand eight, NetEase has been publishing some of Blizzard's biggest titles in China, including World of Warcraft, Overwatch, Hearthstone, Diablo three, the StarCraft series. Warcraft 3 Reforged, Heroes of the Storm. Uh, all of these games are going to be suspended online in China on January the 23rd of 2023 because the licensing deal between Blizzard and NetEase, the publishing deal, has expired. And both companies apparently tried to negotiate with each other and they've just could not come to an agreement. Um, there are different stories as to what... I mean, both companies are obviously being you know, predictably... You know, diplomatic for public-facing companies. Um, so Nettie's said, or Nettie's CEO William Ding said that we have put in a great deal of effort and tried with our utmost sincerity to negotiate with Activision Blizzard so that we can continue our collaboration. Uh, however, there were material differences on key terms, and we could not reach an agreement. Uh, Blizzard said in a statement that was not attributed to any one person that the two companies could not agree on a deal that was consistent with Blizzard's operating principles and commitments to players and employees. Uh, Blizzard is now looking for alternatives. There's a lot of speculation that it's going to be Tencent. We can probably chat about that in a second. Um, NetEase has said that this is not going to impact their financials too significantly. They, they claim that um, the Blizzard games that they were operating only represent less than 10% of their revenue and their income. Um, and that That's grown. still significant. That's still significant. <laughs> yeah, not many of us could take a 10%, an up to 10% pay cut and not have an issue with our lives. Um, but I think they're, they're, they're down. The, the stocks for Netties have dropped um, significantly since the announcement. Or certainly did in the wake of the announcement, there was a big, big dip in uh, share price for Netties. Um, and so yeah so all these games are going to go off weirdly Diablo Immortal is not affected because it's part of a separate agreement and it's actually co-developed by NetEase and Blizzard so I'm guessing that's just a messier partnership to kind of break up because NetEase has a lot more stake in that game than just we're publishing it in China um, but yeah this I mean this is a 14 year relationship you know it's, it's Blizzard's route into what what remains the biggest market for video games in the world um, I, I'm intrigued to your thoughts as to what they're going to do next. So one thing I'd like to point out is that one of the analysts who you had in the article um, regarding that, they described it as, um, and you'll, you'll have to correct me if I get this wrong, but uh, they, they said that they're, they're being Blizzard's games no longer have, have the weight that they used to, I think is what, what they said, which I, I, I think speaks to, you know, how much they attract people, generate uh, revenue. And yeah, what sorry, I, yeah. Okay, so what I wanted to point out is that 
the fact that they chose to use those words to describe it because it's one thing to say that oh, okay you know maybe there's a decline or it's not I, I i think those choice of words puts it into perspective because that's a big market right um and yeah if it just comes down to the fact like you said like there's just all these quote-unquote mitigating factors and and if it's ultimately that hey you know this however much of the market that you used to command is just something we could just move on to i I think that speaks to the fact of you know just how more confident they are with other partners um or or what other partners they may have down in the pipeline um but again ending a 14-year relationship i i always think about um what what's next for the companies involved after a decision like that and I, i'm just mm-hmm. more curious to see what what the future holds rather than the present of that just being over it's it's interesting to me because um china is obviously a significant market for for activision blizzard like you had the um the blitz chung hearthstone controversy uh from from years ago where where Blizzard um, banned a, a pro player for for commenting on the situation in Hong Kong, if I remember right. Hmm. And uh, so clearly, they were they were very mindful about you know ticking off Chinese partners or the Chinese government, which has in recent years come down pretty hard on uh, the gaming industry, you know, with uh, putting really restrictive rules in place about, like, how long minors can game. And they've uh, juggled up their regulatory approval process and for, you know, I think a couple of times, and they, they froze, you know, like, all new game licenses for for months and months. And basically no new games were, were hitting the market. And even even like Tencent and Netsies, Netties were having having problems actually releasing new games. Um, I think the there have been some signs recently that the government might be cooling uh, a, a little bit on 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 that and or rather warming up to games. But it's it's still I, I'm I'm surprised that Activision Blizzard didn't have enough of a you know whatever it takes for us to get into the market sort of mentality we'll put up with that i mean that that suggests that netease was asking for for something um you know just out of the realm of reason uh something that that i don't think like it would have to be right Hmm. um and and what happens now with Activision Blizzard? They got all these, you know, these valuable properties. They can't run them in China, and even if they find someone else to to run them, then it, it still has to go through the regulatory approval process. And um, it seems to me that there's there's no telling how that goes um, th- these days. And they they could be out of the market for for quite a while now, apart from Diablo Immortal. Um, so it's 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 an interesting uh interesting situation with a a lot of you know kind of big 
question marks and things that we don't really know um, about what what NetEase was asking, what what Activision Blizzard was was demanding, and how that fell apart. But it's um, yeah, it's it's fascinating for me to see to see this go down like this because because NetEase and World of Warcraft especially was always like oh well that's huge in China hmm. that was that was such a you know uh, a, that was like all the information that we got <laughs> about the Chinese market <laughs> in the mid 2000s uh, was basically like oh World of Warcraft is huge there that's big for Activision or big for Blizzard because they weren't even part of Activision uh, at, at the time when that started so it's it's um it, it's going to be interesting seeing seeing how this plays out and i i have no real clue as to how it goes down <laughs> I, I, yeah i know what you mean like world of warcraft always sounded like it was big in, in china like i always took the i grant you i'm not an expert on warcraft law i could be corrected i could be that this this is genuinely a thing but mists of pandaria the World of Warcraft expansion from however long ago, like the fact that it was all built around this kind of panda-like fantasy race and like you look at any of the imagery and it's very clearly like kind of Chinese-inspired. Sorry, Now that may well be a part of the Warcraft series long before that, but the fact that they went so big on it, like I always took that as this is an expansion to draw in the Chinese market or to cater to the Chinese market. Like we you know, do something that it's, is more familiar to their culture. Like more recently, like you're seeing um, Diablo Immortal, like in, in the Activision financials, Diablo Immortal launched worldwide this summer, did okay, launched in China, did well enough to kind of offset the decl- the, the ongoing decline of uh, Call of Duty. Well, pre Modern Warfare Two, 2022, the uh, the decline of Call of Duty. Like you know, Dia- Blizzard's games do seem to do well in China. Regardless of what the you know, like, what, what analysts say, like it's not like they're failures over there. It's not like they're they're a, a a niche proposition. Like they do well over there. So yeah, it's it's. I'd be fascinated to know the actual reason why this relationship broke down. Like I know, like NetEase's strategy is more towards globalization. They similar to Tencent because there's all these restrictions on China as a market because there's such a slow uh, approval process now for. You know, new game licenses in so the basically you need a publishing license to release in China, um, which means the government regulator has got to approve your game to be released in China. Um, there have been two freezes on this in the last five six years where it went nine months without any games being approved for release. So those two built up massive backlogs, and even then, I so the the latest freeze ended earlier this year. I want to say kind of March. And it's only been like every month the approved, the regulators have only approved like twenty to thirty games, and even then, there've been very few, if any, approved but for Tencent and Netties, these giant publishers, these giant local publishers. So both those companies have looked more beyond their domestic market into other markets, which is why you're seeing like Netties is starting up a lot more studios outside of China, uh, outside of China. So is Tencent. They're doing a lot more partnerships to kind of bring their properties west um Tencent the better example they're like they've, they've got their uh the Timmy Studios group in North America that's doing Honor of Honor of Kings World which is like kind of their western AAA RPG take on Honor of Kings which is their 
because their flagship title that's the the League of Legends style MOBA that's um, on mobile and PC in China like NetEase is trying to focus on that strategy so I, I can see why perhaps it broke down on their side like they, they don't not need that's a strong word not that they need um, it's not that they don't need World of Warcraft anymore in China it's more just like they are more invested in other areas but Blizzard I yeah like Blizzard will want uh, will want still that inroad to China, be given the size of the market, and weirdly, like <laughs> prior to the podcast, I was like, oh, you know, they'll just go to Tencent because Tencent's invested in Activision. But if the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition goes through, Tencent's shares get sold to Microsoft. Is my understanding, and um, it's, it's what I've read somewhere. So Tencent doesn't automatically have a stake in Activision. So Blizzard would have to kind of win Tencent over, and. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't imagine World of Warcraft and, and all these other online games would be down in China for too long. It will be a few months. It will take a few months to find partners. I wouldn't be shocked if they're already speaking to char- partner potential other partners before this agreement, before this you know before this announcement that the agreement was even falling apart. I imagine they're already in negotiations. Surely, um, but yeah, I'm very interested to see what happens because this is. These are ultimately, these are very big game properties from a very big publisher in a very big market. The sudden absence of that, the sudden suspension of these online games, I say sudden, we've still got two months before they're actually suspended, but like, you know, all all new sales have halted. So like it is it's essentially coming to an end is, it's just something that just came out of the blue. I'm, I'm very surprised by this and uh, very intrigued to see what comes next. Yeah. So NetEase uh, last year reported net revenues of $13.7 billion US. So that's, you know, almost $1.4 billion in their Activision business. Mm. So the, that, the Activision games, uh, this was before Diablo Immortal, so the ones that the uh, license is expiring on, uh, combined for you know roughly 1.4 billion dollars that's that's a significant chunk of change and and regardless of how the revenue breakdown uh was you know divided between blizzard and and netties uh, in in the agreement that's expiring like there's it's enough money where there has to be i think someone else that's willing to try willing to pick it up and and probably for you know whatever terms, you know something close to the terms that Activision Blizzard had with with uh, Netties before. Uh, maybe maybe Activision Blizzard just thought it could get a better deal, some somewhere else, get a a larger cut than Netties was was taking. Um, but it's 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 too much money to leave on the table. But it's also too much money. It feels like to risk for Activision Blizzard mm. to, to, to risk um, having these problems with because, you know, there, there's no telling that a new publisher will be able to get it through, especially if the Microsoft acquisition goes through. Like, maybe, maybe the issues... Uh, I, I think the Chinese government would, would be a lot more um, hands-on and careful about uh, whatever presence Microsoft has in in the country than whatever presence an independent Activision Blizzard has. So maybe, maybe there were concerns there that, that they 
had had some some questions about um but yeah i don't i don't think that there's like a i don't think there's a slam dunk like what happens next for activision blizzard with these properties in china answer and i'm surprised that they weren't just you know well whatever we can do to kind of keep keep the lights on with these games right now is probably worth it considering the uncertainty of the path that they have chosen now it i i still think um these decisions are aren't aren't just made um frivolously right um it again i think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future because uh, i don't even think that much longer into probably probably because it's the end of the year we might not see any traction but i think pretty early into next year we'll find out what's next because i one thing that i've i've noticed as we're reporting these things is that there's adjustments being made there's um reassessments of what these deals mean and what's changing with the market and like it was just mentioned, you know, studios opening in different um, regions globally and what have you to, you know, account for that. So I, I don't think it'll be too long until we find out what, what happens from this. Um, I, I imagine that it won't be that long, if not for a couple of months, probably. But who knows? That is all we've got time for this week. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Playable Futures and we'll be back following Friday with another episode of the GameStreet.biz podcast, the regular podcast. In the meantime, you can find this podcast on all good podcasting providers and you can find more news, insight and analysis into any of these stories and more at GameStreet.biz.